We continue our journey in the book of Ruth. We turn to the second chapter, Ruth chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, and we read in Jesus' name. Now Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean among the ears of grain, after one in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. So she departed and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. Thus she came and has remained from the morning until now. She has been sitting in the house for a little while. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Indeed, I've commanded the servants not to touch you. When you are thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from what the servants draw. And she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me, and how you left your father and mother in the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. May the Lord reward your work and your wages be full from the Lord your God, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. Then she said, I have found favor in your sight, my Lord, for you have comforted me and indeed have spoken kindly to your maidservant, though I am not like one of your maidservants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here, that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers, and he served her roasted grain, and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. When she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servant, saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves, and do not insult her. Also you shall purposely pull out for her some grain from the bundles, and leave it that she may glean, and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. She took it up and went into the city, and her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. She also took it out and gave Naomi what she had left after she was satisfied. Her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean today? And where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, The name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord, who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Then Ruth 
The Moabitess said, Furthermore, he said to me, You should stay close to my servants until they've finished all my harvest. Naomi said to Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that you go out with his maids, so that others do not fall upon you in another field. So she stayed close by the maids of Boaz in order to glean until the end of the barley harvest and the wheat harvest. And she lived with her mother-in-law. Let's bow in prayer. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for what you did in the life of Ruth, how you are the one that arranged this relationship with Boaz. You, O oh God, are a sovereign God. You are an, an omniscient God, and you know what is best for each one of us. And I pray, O oh Lord, that you would guide us now into your truth. Uh, we believe, O oh God, your word is everlasting truth. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. How would you like to grow up in a culture where marriages were arranged by parents? Ever thought about that? There are cultures that are still like that today, that mom and dad uh, figure out who you ought to marry. So those of you who are married today, you probably wouldn't be sitting next to the person you are this morning because your mom and dad would have arranged a marriage. Right? That's a strange thought, isn't it, to think of? And those of you who are not yet married, maybe you would be considering uh, how you might run away. <laughs> You're kind of wondering, does mom and dad really know what is best for me? Would I be happy with the one that they chose for me? Well, you might not think so, but, but maybe that might not so, be so bad after all, huh? How would you like to have a marriage arranged by God? Do you think the Lord knows what is best for you? Do you think that He can be trusted in that very important part of your life to say, Lord, you arrange it for me. Lord, you guide me. You lead me. You do in my life what you did with Ruth and Boaz, bringing them together. Ruth is a childless widow as we meet her in this uh, second chapter of Ruth. And it doesn't appear that she's necessarily looking for a husband you get the picture that she's just trying to survive because she came to a foreign land here and didn't have any means of support and her mother-in-law, Naomi, wasn't really providing for her. And so here she is just, just trying to survive and she goes out in the field and starts to, to glean some of the, the crop. But it's obvious that God had a plan for her. And in our text, we see that plan beginning to unfold. The foundation is being laid for what I guess I would call a marriage made in heaven. This relationship between Boaz and Ruth. So what is a marriage made in heaven? I would suggest three things from our text today. A marriage made in heaven is arranged by God's sovereign plan. Arranged by God's sovereign plan. When Naomi came back to Bethlehem with her daughter-in-law, Ruth, if you remember from a couple weeks ago, she was a very bitter woman. In fact, when she came to Bethlehem, uh, people asked the question, is, is, this, is this Naomi? And, and Naomi means pleasant, if you remember from a couple weeks ago. And Naomi said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. Mara means bitter. 
And she went on to describe what she believed the Lord had done against her. Don't call me, call me Mara. And so here was a woman who was spiritually fragile. Here was a woman who was emotionally spent and she was in no position to provide for herself, let alone Ruth. And so Ruth then goes out into the the field and she starts gleaning. And something very interesting happened. Look at verse 3. So she departed and went out and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And notice this phrase, and she happened, she happened to come to the portion of the field belonging to Boaz, who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, May the Lord be with you. And they said to him, May the Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is this? Get the impression that Boaz might have been interested. Who is this girl? Whose young woman is this? The servant in charge of the reapers said, She is the young Moabite woman who returned with Naomi from the land of Moab. Isn't that interesting? The first person she meets, the one who owns that first field that she goes into glean, is the one that she eventually married. And yet the text presents it as something that that just happened to occur, because at the time, no one knew what the end result would be. Ruth obviously didn't know. She didn't have any idea who Boaz was. What a funny name, huh? Boaz. Who in the world is, is, is this guy? I happen to believe that our omniscient God, who knows what is going to occur when Ruth went to that field, He is also our sovereign God, who arranges all things according to His plan. So what it may appear to us to be coincidence, she just happened to to come to the field of, of Boaz. I believe that was part of the plan of God. God was working behind the scenes to bring these two people together. I don't know what you think about that, but I think that's exciting. That God is a way of bringing people together in the marriage relationship. Some of you can look back with amazement how God brought you and your spouse together. I think of how God brought my wife and I together. Uh, My father was on the home mission committee for many years and had to come down to headquarters for home mission board meetings. And there was a secretary there. At that time, her name was Linda Moen. My dad got to visit with her from time to time and was looking for uh, help in the ministry at Colquet, a parish worker. He asked, Linda, would you come and, and work within our congregation? Well, Linda moved up to Colquet, and after Judy graduated from Bible school, Linda said, why don't you come and live with me? Lo and behold, she moves up there, and I guess the, the rest is history. Well, God arranged that, I believe. How, how else would we have ever met So I look back and say, okay, Lord, you were involved in that, and I praise you for that. I look back with with amazement, with thanksgiving, what what you have done. And I think it would be interesting if we had a few of you this morning share your story 
how God brought you together. I would imagine some of you have some fairly interesting stories of what God did to bring you two together in that relationship. Some of you can look ahead in anticipation. Looking ahead to see what God has planned for you. And it would be wise to trust him because he does have a plan for your life. You can rest in his care. But he's going to lead you and guide you. As you let him do that, as you place that before him. Now, that's not to say that God does all of this apart from our desires. It's not as if we are some kind of puppets on a string. When Boaz came to see how his workers were doing, he got the impression that he noticed Ruth. He asked the question, who is, who is this woman? There's something there that, that, that brought a spark. You know what that spark is like, married couples? Does you have that spark? Right? Is there something there? Is it still there? Can you hear an amen? I don't hear an amen. Still there? <laughs> There's just something there, right? And that's what we see with Boaz. The first time he sees Ruth, there's something there. Who, who, who is this woman? So it's not as though the Lord works like we're just puppets. He must have had some interest in her. And the more he found out about her, the more he liked her. But God was the one who arranged it all. What appeared to be just a, a coincidental meeting ended up the beginning of a relationship that ended up in marriage. So a marriage made in heaven is arranged by God's sovereign plan. Second thing we notice, a marriage made in heaven is arranged for God's chosen people. God's chosen people. God delights in blessing and providing and leading and guiding his people. We already know that Ruth was a believer. We go back to chapter 1, verse 16, and remember what she said to Naomi your people shall be my people, and your God, my God. Ruth, though she was a Moabite woman, she put her trust in the God of Israel. She was a believer. And if you go to our text in verse 12, here's what Boaz says about her, that she was one under whose wings you have come to seek refuge, under the wings of the God of Israel. So Ruth was a believer. She loved the Lord. What about, Mo, what about Boaz? What kind of a man was he? Everything we read about him in the book of Ruth would indicate that he was a man who loved the Lord. Now, the evidence of his relationship with God was clear. And we see it in verse 4 when he comes to, to see how his workers are doing in the field. Did you notice the greeting that he gave and how they responded? He said, may the Lord be with you. And their response to him was, may the Lord bless you. <laughs> Isn't that neat to see that, that kind of relationship between the, the, the owner of the land and his workers? And it was based upon what? His relationship with the Lord. You get a pretty good idea of one's relationship with the Lord when you, when you see how they treat all the other people. And especially in this case, those under his authority, they respected him. And he loved them. It was all because of his relationship with the Lord. And then you look at how he treated the less fortunate. 
In this case, how he treated Ruth, she was a foreigner, she was a widow, no children support her, she was a very poor woman, but notice how he cared for her. Verse 8, listen carefully, my daughter. Do not go to glean in another field. Furthermore, do not go on from this one, but stay here with my maids. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap, and go after them. Indeed, I commanded the servants not to touch you. When you're thirsty, go to the water jars and drink from the water that the servants draw. And then jump down to verse 14. Notice what he did at mealtime. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here that you may eat of the bread and dip your piece of bread in the vinegar. So she sat beside the reapers and notice this, he served her. Did you get that? He served her roasted grain and she ate and was satisfied and had some left. And when she rose to glean, Boaz commanded his servant saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves. Don't insult her. Also, you shall purposefully pull out for, some, for her some grain from the bundles and leave it that she may glean and do not rebuke her. So he provided for her. And he protected her. And he was the kind of godly man that every godly woman would want. Someone to provide and protect her. That says something about his relationship to the Lord. And I find it interesting also what it was that attracted Boaz to Ruth. Did you notice what impressed him? Look at verse 10. Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your sight, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? What did Boaz and Boaz know about her? Verse 11. Boaz replied to her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband has been fully reported to me. And how you left your father and your mother and the land of your birth and came to a people that you did not previously know. What was it that impressed him? It was her character. He saw in Ruth a, a real servant heart. A love for people. Even a love for her mother-in-law of all things, huh? That's not a joke. You hear so much bashing of mother-in-laws, don't you? Oh, my mother-in-law. I thank God for my mother-in-law. She was a wonderful woman. And here you see that, that kind of love that, that Ruth displayed for her mother-in-law. A servant heart. The character of Ruth. That's what impressed Boab, Boaz the most. And rightly so. That which was on the inside was more important to Boaz than that which was on the outside. You think that's important? In a marriage relationship, is that what's vital? That which is on the inside is more important than that which is on the outside? It better be, because what happens as we get older? That which is on the outside isn't as beautiful as it used to be 20, 30, 40 years ago. And if you're wondering, just look at me. Some of you are looking so young either, right? Okay, so what impressed him was that which was on the inside, her character. 
Her relationship with the Lord, verse 12. Boaz said, may the Lord reward your work. And your wages be full from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to seek refuge. So in Ruth, you have a godly woman. In Boaz, you have a godly man. And that's what a marriage made in heaven is all about. When you have two people that love Jesus, then you got something, don't you? Not a perfect relationship. But when you got two people that are living in a right relationship to the Lord and God brings them together, that's a blessing. And that's what we pray for, don't we, for our children? That as they grow older, that they would find that relationship with, with someone who loves Jesus with all their heart. And they come together and they form a family. That's a marriage made in heaven. The third principle we see here A marriage made in heaven is arranged in accordance with God's clear principles. God's clear principles. I wonder what went through the mind of Boaz when he first heard that Ruth was a Moabite. Do you know why that might have been a question? That might have been a question because here's what Deuteronomy chapter 23 tells us, verses 3 and 4. No Ammonite or Moabite may enter the assembly of the Lord. Even to the tenth generation, none of them may enter the assembly of the Lord forever because they did not meet you with bread and with water on the way when you came out of Egypt. And because they hired against you Balaam, the son of Baor from Pethor of Mesopotamia to curse you. Remember that? And then if you look at Numbers chapter 25, the Moabites were also the ones who invited the Israelites to the sacrifice to their false gods. And that resulted in 24,000 people killed by a plague. So in order to protect the people of Israel from the Moabites and their idolatry, the Lord told the people of Israel not to let the Moabites enter the assembly of the Lord. So I'm assuming Boaz, as a godly man, probably knew the scriptures, and he finds out Ruth is a Moabite. It's kind of like, oh, okay. How does that work? But Ruth's situation, I think, was a bit different. Although she was from Moab, she certainly wasn't a Moabite at heart. She had turned to the God of Israel, as Boaz said in verse 12, she had come to seek refuge under the wings of of the God of Israel. And so from the perspective of Boaz, Ruth's trust in the Lord wasn't just a nice thing. It was absolutely essential. It was absolutely essential that Ruth trusted in the Lord Because she needed to be a part of the covenant. A part of that relationship that the people of Israel had with God in order for Boaz to marry her. He was not to be unequally yoked. He needed to be married to one who loved and served the same God that he did. And that principle hasn't changed, has it? It is still the same today as believers in Jesus... (laughs) We are called upon to be equally yoked. 
To be joined together with someone who has that same relationship that with Jesus Christ. Marriage was never intended to be a form of evangelism. Mark that well. As God's chosen people are brought together in a living relationship with God and with Him. That, that, that's what is, is needed. And if you make that commitment to marry only a believer in Jesus, I can tell you that your life will be blessed. And I can also tell you that your family will be blessed as well. I am so thankful that my children, all of them thus far, have married someone who loves Jesus. And I can't tell you how grateful I am for that. To know that my grandchildren will be brought up in a home where both mom and dad love Jesus. Nothing worth more than that. Notice how this relationship was a blessing to Naomi. Verse 19, when Ruth came back from from the field, her mother-in-law then said to her, Where did you glean? today? Where did you work? May he who took notice of you be blessed, because she came back with, with, with much food. So she told her mother-in-law with whom she had worked and said, the man, the name of the man with whom I work today is Boaz. And Ruth probably didn't realize the connection. She just said, it's Boaz. Notice Naomi, verse 20. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, May he be blessed of the Lord, who has not withdrawn his kindness to the living and to the dead. Again, Naomi said to her, The man is our relative. He is one of our closest relatives. Now, Naomi is rejoicing here. Because she saw the hand of God in this. She saw the hand of God in this. And it meant blessing not just for Ruth, but it meant also blessing for Naomi. In fact, the phrase here which says, He is our relative, He is one of our closest relatives, Literally, he is our Redeemer. He is one of our Redeemers. And this is why many see the relationship between Boaz and Ruth as a picture of our relationship with Jesus. Think of it. Like Ruth, we are poor, aren't we? Like Ruth, we are hopeless. Like Ruth... We are foreigners to the covenant that God made with Abraham. Like Ruth, all we could do was hope to find favor with one who would redeem us. And just as Boaz became Ruth's redeemer, so Jesus became our redeemer. Our kinsman redeemer, the one who became like us, took on human flesh, took our sin to the cross, made us his 
bride. Just as Boaz took Ruth, this poor, hopeless foreigner, and as we'll see, bought her and made her his own. Aren't you thankful that Jesus did that for us? And that's the beginning of a a right relationship with others is when we have a right relationship with Jesus. When we've been redeemed by Him and we are brought into fellowship with someone else who has been redeemed by Him. That's what makes a blessed marriage. So if you want a marriage made in heaven, you first need to be the bride of Jesus. You need to know Him. You need to have a living relationship with Jesus. And once you know Jesus as your Redeemer, then you commit your life to what He has in store for you. Perhaps He will bring someone into your life who loves Him too. Not for a perfect marriage. There aren't any perfect marriages. Not for a trouble-free marriage. There are no such trouble-free marriages. But it can be in increasing measure as you seek to know the Lord more what God designed a marriage to be. Let's pray. Father, you are the one who brought Ruth and Boaz together. What appeared to be coincidence was really your working behind the scenes, O God, to bring those two together. And you were the one that brought them, Lord, to that place of real trust in you. And you are the one, Lord, that worked in their lives to make their marriage relationship a blessed one. Thank you, God, for doing that for many here this morning. Uh, Christian families, Christian husbands and wives who love you. Lord, I pray that you would do that for those who have yet to be married, Father, that you would guide them and lead them, and that they would seek your will and your timing, your purpose, your principles. Help them, Lord, to make that commitment to marry only those who love the same Jesus that they do. That their home would be established on the solid foundation of Jesus Christ, our rock. Thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. Thank you for the family, for marriage, for children, for the blessing of the home. For it is in your name that we pray. Amen.